Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello, welcome to episode number 12 of Broken Records, a search for the worst album ever made of all time ever. My name is Stephen Hill, his name is Renfrey Deadman, and we are your hosts. Hello, Renfrey, how are Hello. you? Hello, I'm very well. How are you, Steve? I'm all right, thank you, mate. I'm all right. I'm looking forward to uh, regaling the listener with um, tales of when this particular podcast was put together because. Mm. Um, You've always been very sadistic, uh, haven't you? The... <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 really I have. So um, I should say before we get into it, um, what this show is basically, as, as explained, it's uh, Renfrey and I have a list of the worst albums ever made. When I say the worst albums ever made, they're due to their, their critical standing, their commercial failure, the fact that the band themselves imploded soon afterwards. There are many, many reasons why a record gets onto that list, but we have over 150 of them. And for this episode 12, we are going to throw back to an episode of Riot Act, which is our weekly review podcast show, in case you didn't know, um, when we used to do this podcast just as a segment on that show uh we're going to throw back to the 29th of may 2020 episode 95 where we spoke about the debut album by punk rock revivalists <laughs> the towers of london the blood sweat and towers now before we even start i think it's probably not much of a spoiler to say most people think of this band at this point in 2021 i mean it was 2020 when we recorded it as just a a hilarious joke from the mid noughties mm-hmm. um i'm trying really hard not to go but were they right to think that were they right uh, you're about to find out what we think about it but you probably already know anyway do you know what i mean mm-hmm mm. <laughs> Renfrey really doesn't want to say anything about this band which is fair enough because he's about to say quite a lot about them aren't you so um let's just let's just do it let's go over to me and Renfrey here we are trying to make sense of Towers of London Broken Records um I'm which actually, is where we search I, I just wanted to take a quick pause because I just want to do a couple of lines before we um get into this because I just think it'd be appropriate oh. for the subject matter oh, that we're talking about. Definitely. God, yeah. we're so rock and roll. Uh, you don't have to prove it in any way, yeah. but we are. Um Towers of London, Blood, Sweat and Towers is this week's entry into our search for the worst album ever made so far um we have bob dylan self-portrait lou reed's metal machine music lauren hills mtv 2.0 unplugged enemies streets in the sky one by dirty vegas viva brothers famous first words louis the 14th slick dogs and ponies queen and paul rogers the cosmos rocks richard ashcroft's united nations of sound eogan quigg's self-titled debut album and um six feet under graveyard classics volume two as our top what is that, 11, um, in in that descending order. So something, surely, at some point is going to be worse, <laughs> worse than six feet under. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's the Towers of London. Let's find out. This record 
was released on the 5th of June 2006. 2006 seems like it was quite a bad year because we've had quite a few of um, a few records from around 2006. Um, actually, yeah. It been a, seems like a sort of some sort of rip in the vortex, like Hellraiser or something. Loads of shit bands <laughs> escaped from hell. Um, but anyway, Towers of London, Blood, Sweat and Towers is the debut album from the really genuine absolutely real <laughs> truly legitimate clearly sincere and doubtlessly authentic punk rock band they are a punk rock band no one can take that away from them the towers of london best known for the wild man that is donny tourette he of smoking on Nevermind the buzzcocks <laughs> and climbing on a roof during his short stint on celebrity big brother fame god what a rebel bloody hell Gigi allen wouldn't do that he's too scared to do the sort of things that donny tourette did he'd be shitting himself if he met donny um so it tells London. Donnie I Tourette, didn't know this. Donny doesn't even know who Gigi Allen is, for fuck's sake. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't at all. Um, I didn't know this, but apparently uh, Tales of London formed in 2003, which I found quite surprising because this album didn't come out until 2006. And I thought they probably formed in 2006 or were put together by a record company. But apparently they did form in 2003. I read they formed 2004. So... Okay. Um, maybe it's either way it's a lot earlier than i thought i only point it out because um i think it says a lot that permission to land by the darkness came out 2003 became the unexpected mega hit of the year yeah um and towers of london form not long after that now whilst towers of london are clearly very different to the darkness I think they just went, oh, that's really successful and that's doing really well. Let's do a snottier, punkier version of that. Yeah, basically. I mean, so they they had a couple of years. Yeah, they signed to TVT Records, a label who are famous for the likes of Jar Rule, Seven Dust, Gravity Kills, Nothing Face and Pitbull. Now, what do those acts and Towers of London have in common, Renfrey? apart from the fact they're on the same label. What are those bands? is quite a sort of disparate group of bands. What do they all have in common? What's the one thing that sort of links those artists together, do you think? Should it be leaping out at me? Because it's not. Uh, well, they're all bandwagon hopping ah. chance of fuckwits, aren't they? They're all <laughs> late to the party. Oh, look, that's the thing that everyone's doing now. We'll do that then, shall we? That seems to be selling lots of records. Oh, we'll do that. We mean it, man. Um, for, ba- for balance, not that I want to defend them too much because I don't really have much stock in TVT, but didn't they they um, put out Pretty Hate Machine as well, didn't they, TVT? Yeah, Trent Reznor fucking but hates Trent them, Reznor fucking he? hates that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, saw, yeah. actually, we should probably I, mention it, it here. I saw The Defiant Ones quite recently, which was a documentary mm. you recently said was the best documentary of all time. And there's a little bit about that on The Defiant Ones. So Yes, there is. Um, now, look, I'm not slagging off TVT records, but it does feel like <laughs> they do have a history of going for a lot of bands who have just gone, oh, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what everybody yeah, yeah. likes. Yeah. Um, so... They sort of appear from nowhere, as you mentioned, Towers of London. Um, all kind of gobby and wankery behaviour, sort of sort of fighting backstage at Download in 2005. We've actually seen them banned from Download ever since. Yes. And that's before the album was even released. Um, yeah. Of course, we should say as well that once the record was released, they actually had a reality TV show for the channel Bravo. The channel Bravo famous for airing the likes of ECW Wrestling, Dog the Bounty Hunter, 
um, Brit Cops, Highway Patrol, and Crash Bang Wallet. What a video with Alan Partridge, uh, except the last one. Um, Didn't take them long to do that, did it? No, no, not at all. Now, I actually, for no other real reason than kind of maddening curiosity a few years ago i went onto youtube and i watched a few of those shows did you and yeah and i was thinking because i was like oh, i might watch those shows back and then i remembered how fucking terrible they were and i thought no i'm not going to put myself through that again i'll just listen to the record <laughs> it's just a bunch of twats shouting about how they should be treated like guns and roses it's fucking rubbish it sounds like probably one of the shows that would irritate me the most in the world mm. <laughs> especially I mean, especially especially because i'm so fond of guns and roses and yet couldn't give a crap about any other one in that scene any other bands in that scene whatsoever really but yeah um what a joke it's just <laughs> what a like joke. it just the best the, song the, on blood sweat and towers is worse than the worst guns and roses song and i'm including chinese <laughs> democracy yeah for real um i mean if if i'm not suggesting anyone goes to watch the show but if you do have to, any clip you pick on will be donny tourette in a dressing room going oh fucking hell where's my fucking where's the booze they said me, oh what i got that one i got and it's just a, it's like you don't even have an album out yet mate mm. you don't even have an album out and you're talking like you should be like ferried around planet earth I'm being put on the biggest. It's absolutely. It was just they're the most obnoxious pricks. Like when they go, oh, we were behaving like proper rock and rollers. That those bands that were smashing were being, you know, you get you either get massive like Guns N' Roses did or the Who or whatever, and then you act like wankers and you start smashing stuff up because you can afford it. Or, and I'm not condoning that. Or you don't do that at all and you just act obnoxious because you're just deeply obnoxious people a la Sid Vicious and you don't really care about money or what stuff you've got you're just a sort of broken desperate scaghead knobhead who just likes burning shit and being a, a but the pretense that like we we hello we are the Towers of London this unheard of band we deserve to be <laughs> ferried around Wembley Stadium and thrown into a swimming full of swimming pool full of cocaine fucking tosses um to be fair i acted like that at the launch release for my ep yeah i'm sure you did yeah <laughs> um but i mean the thing is for whatever insane reason their label were chucking a fuckload of money at this band they supported the pogues in new york they supported the new york dolls on their comeback show they supported guns and roses on their mm. uk tour and they played the main stage at red in the leeds festival mm. It's absolutely mental that yeah. <laughs> anyone would spend 10p on these wankers. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, but anyway. it's a stunning case of style over substance, isn't it? I mean, I, I dare not even say style because they had no style at all. You mentioned Sid Vicious there, and it just occurred to me that this is a band of Sid Viciouses, isn't it? Um, yeah. Sid Vicious was by far and away the least talented member of the Sex Pistols, could barely play bass, was really just a bit of an obnoxious twat. Um, and uh, this is just a band of obnoxious twats. Um, mm. uh, you've talked about how they're the real deal and all that sort of thing and very genuine. If anyone has any doubts as to whether Towers of London are in fact the real deal or not, uh, brothers Danny and Dirk Tourette are actually called Patrick and Francis Brennan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> um 
I fucking hate them. Well, listen, listen, hold them. on, hold, hold your horses there, Renfri, because we've got to get through other people's reviews. This is oh, know, before we come to sorry, our opinion yeah. of it. So what anyway, the album comes Christa out. Gal think of it. I don't know uh, that. I do not know. He probably thinks it's great. Um, <laughs> he anyway, it's the, the album... best record since Never Mind the Bollocks. <laughs> yeah, which he hated. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the album comes out, and surprise, surprise, it gets fucking panned. One point five in Pitchfork who say, blame Andrew WK for already perfecting Partying Hard or the darkness setting the metal revival bar a tad high. But Tower's arena assault on mainstream pop and the sweaty clad indie falls flat on its face, seeming way more contrived than the target it aims to to abominate. Lead singer Donny Tourette, for example, is actually very unlike someone truly afflicted by Tourette's. We always knew exactly what he's about to say. Even the examatory yes and ooze feel laboured over intricate laboured over intricately placed between masturbatory solos and dim power chords in fact the only mystery here at any given time is whether he'll shout fuck you bitch or opt for the elegance of the traditional fuck you uh, it got two stars in The Guardian uh, who said, like Johnny Rotten ambling down the Sunset Strip, this album is a snarling, spitting, unequivocally British take on hair metal with rare moments of genius hidden away in a landfill of mediocre rock that's nowhere near as scary as it thinks it is. That seems very, very generous to me. Rare um, moments of genius. Uh, Fuck off. I, I can't find them. Um punknews.org gave it one and a half out of five stating somewhere along the line the band lost sight of what made them so enjoyable in the first place or maybe not maybe their style is just not that it can be drawn is just not such that it can be drawn out for such an extended amount of time well one thing's for sure on blood sweat and towers the band unfortunately overstays their welcome uh sputnik music gave it two out of five and said if mainstream rock was a buffet blood sweat and tears are the unwanted leftovers there is actually an about music.com review that gives it five stars uh, that's on the band's wikipedia page but it appears to have vanished weird now isn't it <laughs> that, that, that review has been buried um somewhere so um the band did another album called fizzy pop in 2008 um not much more in the way of acclaim and they became more known as sort of circus sideshow for donny tourette than actual musicians and inevitably they split in 2009 i don't know if i can reveal this or not but they tried coming back last year well i was gonna say um i say split i mean they just weren't they actually weren't they didn't really split they just didn't do anything anything, for years and years and years they just sort of cancelled their gigs and then that was it um and they did come back last year and they released a new single and i remember seeing that getting released and i thought hmm surely nobody on earth is going to care about that in any way whatsoever mm. and sure enough no one did until well, I, we drag until we dragged the bastards up again i received you know sometimes you get emails from prs and it's obvious that they've actually actually tailored the email to you <laughs> and yeah. um i remember getting a email from their pr um who had really gone to a lot of effort to address this email to me thinking that I would be interested in covering them. And <laughs> I was just like, what are you on, on talking air? about? On this podcast? Uh, well, if it was last year, then I guess it was. Yeah. I think they wanted us to interview Donnie Tourette. Um, I would, I would sure happily have done that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why are you a cunt? 
um yeah i mean and and you know they said i know you might be raising your eyebrow at towers of london you know most famous for the never mind the buzzcocks appearance yada, yada, might. Yada. might yeah exactly um but their new song is a totally different direction it's totally changed yada 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 i mean does it sound like the 1975 it probably uh, does doesn't more it? so than towers of london than that new single did but it was fucking bollocks, you know, and I was just like, I gave a short, short curt no. Um, hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, do you want to get into the record itself? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Sub-bar what are we appetite for it's the em- bollocks. Um, yeah, embarrassing, isn't it? It is embarrassing. Um, you can hear the uh, never mind the bollocks and appetite for destruction influence. It is very much worn on their sleeve. I think there are parts which are very Guns N' Roses, um, but just, but it does sound like your local band in a pub playing it. It's, it has none of the, I think music like that particularly has to have a special pizzazz, an X factor, a chemistry, whatever, whatever it is that you want to call it. I mean, even the darkness have it to an extent. They certainly had it on permission to land. You know, that's not even an album that I love, but I will acknowledge that. Um, I think Aerosmith have it. You know, in in order to ACDC, in order to make that music work, you have to have a special ingredient which is difficult to define. Towers of London don't have a single milliliter of whatever that ingredient is. This is just pathetically well, poor pub rock done just badly. As- just to bring that about, I mean, even, you know, you're talking about Aerosmith and, and The Darkness and really, I mean, a year after this album comes out, Running Wild by Airborne comes out, which doesn't have a second of, you know, unique or original ideas in its collective head, but is a fucking brilliant record. It's produced brilliantly. It's by a band who have been playing the kind of Australian pub circuit, the notoriously grueling Australian pub circuit for many, many, many years and is born out of a genuine love of that type of music. Airborne are not going to change. You know, they're still, you know, we haven't really covered them because, you know, I I think that what they've done, they're not going to change and they're not particularly interesting to me now i have to be honest but those first couple of records they're they're fucking great at doing that Mm. fucking great and there's nothing unique or original or anything about it but they have turned they it's born from passion it's undoubtedly born from passion it is not born from passion yeah really (laughs) and um (laughs) go on son uh but it's not do you know what i mean it's not this is how can I be a rock star? How can I yes. be famous? Like, yes. how can I get on the TV? What can I do to become notorious? And I mean, it's, this this whole album to me just feels like watching a 13-year-old smoke his first cigarette. Yeah. Like, oh, look at me. I'm smoking a cigarette. Ooh, God, I'm cool, aren't I? Like, you know, it feels you like don't... watching Liam Gallagher smoking his first cigarette. Even worse. Yeah. I mean, talking about sort of Matt Healy earlier and that kind of desperate sort of ignorant, pseudo intellectual bullshit again this is another person who is just desperate to appear as something this kind of karaoke caricature that and and you can just see through it from a fucking mile away yep. i mean the, the, i tell you what sums up this record is the song 
kill the pop scene. Kill the pop scene. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Well, I'm absolutely shocked that you, the Towers of London, want to kill the pop scene. I've never heard anyone say that the pop scene should be killed, but I can't believe, I can't believe they've said that. I mean, fuck off. Like, I remember The Offspring and Slipknot in the late 90s mm. talking shit about boy bands. I mean, right. Offspring used to decapitate a Britney yeah. Spears cardboard cutout on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was embarrassing then. <laughs> a bunch of grown men who have sold millions and millions of records looking at a type of music which is just not aimed at their fan base at all when chucking their toys out of their pram. But at least they wrote good songs. Yeah. At least they were good bands. At least they were successful. A Tales of London doing it seven years later. It's like, mate, kill the pop scene. I mean, this is when the sugar babes are around. Yeah. The fucking sugar babes yeah, yeah, are 20, yeah. even the shitty, like there's no original sugar babe. Le- there's the sugar girls and the, there's no sugar babes left in the sugar babes. They're still better than you. They're still <laughs> yeah, they more are. authentic than you. They actually are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. fucking taking a piss. I mean, you that, think it's cutting edge. That, um, what's it called? Kill the pop. Kill the pop. Kill the pop scene. Kill the pop Kill scene Kill the pop song. scene. It has as much sort of um, acerbic heft to it as a daphne and celeste song you know Mm. it's absolutely it's just it's as hard as a paper towel a wet paper towel it's just just utter dross it's fucking bollocks yeah about as natural as a bottle of orange squash (laughs) that is it's fucking crap as natural as a twister i mean you know terrible yeah this has been done a million times before. And, you know, even if it has, like I said, with bands like Offspring and, Offspring and Slipknot, I mean, I don't remember. I mean, if you write a good song about how much you hate pop music, fine. A good song is a good song is a good song. But this, like everything on this record, is woeful. Woeful, fake, forced, and cartoonish. I mean, every, and, and, you know, the, 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 the ripping off of artists that are far better than them like Beaujolais has that she she was a girl refrain from bodies by the Sex Pistols, but then turns into common people by pulp played yeah. by people who sniff glue. It's rubbish. Yeah. The start of King rips off both David Bowie's Heroes and My Way by Sid Vicious, and it's awful. Not an yeah. original bone in its body. And then you know when there is something you go, well, that doesn't obviously obviously sound like an exact song that you can pick out. Like oh. That's Bodies by Sex Pistols. Oh, that's Heroes by David Bowie. Like, tonight I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a good time, good time, have a good time. That song is called Good Time. So <laughs> thinking outside the box there. And when they get the bloody acoustic guitars out, like on the start of that song, Northern Lights, I mean, that is when it gets it's dreadful, really awkward. Dreadful. Really, really, really awkward. Yeah. Ah, Renfrey, this is this is a disaster. This record, they take a, a disaster. It is. It's fucking terrible. They take a leaf out of uh, Guns and Roses' book by having um, an acoustic version and a full band version of the song "Fuck It Up" on there, which is awful. That like both yeah. versions are dreadful. Don't need two versions of the same awful <clears throat> song. No, I know, I know. I was wondering if it was a subtle nod, nod to Guns N' Roses doing it with Don't Cry um, on Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2, but then I was like, that's too clever for this band. 
they don't they don't know what they're di- they don't know where their fucking ass is let alone and maybe they just saw that there oh, there's two different versions of a song on this album what they've done we'll do that <laughs> up the punks <laughs> fucking no but this is your debut album and it's a rubbish song and guns and roses split that across two records yeah not, yeah, 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 not exactly. on their debut you didn't do the same song on a debut i mean exactly. fucking hell there's there's Awful. nothing like there's nothing in terms of like songs song craft and the way that songs are putting to put together this is a dreadful album there's nothing memorable there's nothing hooky it sounds rubbish i mean it sounds scuzzy and raw but it's it's not scuzzy or raw enough there's bits where they sound like the dandy warhols for fuck's sake you know um it doesn't feel dangerous in any way shape or form it's genuinely depressing to think that a band like the wild hearts exist who mm-hmm. like put their everything into it and have done for years and years and years and and don't always release amazing material but it's always at the very least interesting and they're t- widely ignored by the mainstream press and have been yep. since the beginning of the 90s but something like this comes along and you get one dopey cunt being a prick in in uh celebrity circles and suddenly i mean that that they didn't do well but they got attention off of the back of a guy being a dickhead i mean it's so you've already said it but it's so fucking crystal clear that donny tourette francis whatever his fucking name is wanted to be famous and that was it Mm. i feel like we should probably talk about the nevermind the buzzcocks appearance a little bit because there might be some people who don't know it yeah um, but and we're still can, should, can we finish up on the rest of the record first because i think there is still more okay. oh fine yeah yeah yeah. Uh, Go for it. i would say the, i mean the production on this record uh is i just i don't know what the fuck they were thinking because it sounds diabolical throughout the inter- like the you th- this band needed to be produced i mean this again it's like you don't know what you're doing because the producer is a gentleman called stacy jones who is miley cyrus's drummer these days um he's produced the likes of american hi-fi the dolly rots who actually are a punk band to be fair to them a sort of you know fair enough punk band um plain white tees and miley cyrus um christ the Towers of London stand out on his CV like a, a, a fucking a massive boil on the face of Margot Robbie. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, everything on it is lovely and nice and pretty. And yeah. and then you've got this band who are, to all intents and purposes, meant to be the antithesis of that. So... Why, I would argue, have you invited the man who does the plain white tees and would end up playing drums and and producing Miley Cyrus to produce your proper punk rock record, mm. you fucking idiots? Mm. And the reason is, is because they wanted it to sound like a pop record and a big, nice, shiny, sort of uber big rock record. And those songs are not good enough to sound like that. They sound no, stupid. Not. If I honestly think, like, I don't think there's much in the way that could save these songs, but producing them in the same way as you produce Miley Cyrus is definitely, definitely not the way to go down there because all that does is highlight, A, how bad the songs are, and B, 
how terrible the people who are playing the songs are. Donny Tourette can't sing. Dirk Tourette can't play guitar. The drummer's called Snell. I mean, he just sounds like someone falling down the stairs, his drums on it. They are fucking... <laughs> they're terrible. Mm. Uh, they are a bad, bad, bad band. And the other thing I want to point out before we get on to Donny Tourette's um, many celebrity appearances on various TV shows is that Permission to Land, to give two kind of albums that have been from around the same time that did this sort of thing very successfully, Permission to Land is 38 minutes and nine seconds long. I Get Wet by Andrew WK is 35 minutes and 32 seconds long. On Spotify, even though the Wikipedia entry says this is 46 minutes and 46 seconds, on Spotify, this album is 52 minutes long. 52 minutes long, which means it is about 20 minutes longer than Andrew WK's I Get Wet, about 15 minutes longer than Permission to Land by The Darkness. And both of those records, which both of those records are classics at this point, genuine classics of that type of music yeah. from that era of that time they could not have gone on much further no you get to the end of those records and you go cool i'm done i'm yeah. done with that yeah the idea that towers of london who do not even get within fucking spitting distance of being as good as you said the worst song on either of those records the idea that they think they've got an extra 20 minutes worth of material it's to laughable. be put on this record it's laughable it's just unfucking believable yeah. this album is an absolute embarrassment it's embarrassing that you've kind of hit on something a little bit there like it, it's di- there's several different versions of this record um there's various different versions with different bonus tracks and so on and so forth which is why there's like a uh difference in um how long the record is i i think the normal record without bonus tracks yada 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 i think it's meant to be 46 minutes and 46 seconds it's still too long um way too long the version i listened to was a 15 track record which has some bonus tracks but one of the bonus tracks was track 11 so i was like this is just fucking confusing again like yeah just put it in the middle yeah completely just like you have no clue what you're doing and it sounded like a bonus track as well it was like this has been bad so far but it's taken a leap into something badder than bad (laughs) you know it was bad Mm. um i mean there's nothing good on it it's just a whole stinking heap of shit and then there's a little (laughs) bit of diarrhea in the middle and then there's a bit more shit it's just fucking Uh, awful it's terrible um but yes let's talk about donny tourette i think we've sort of reviewed the record pretty succinctly i've got Um, nothing the thing is i've got nothing to say about it really apart from it's fucking awful it's mm. a fucking awful impression of something that i generally don't like except for guns and roses <laughs> mm. um so donny tourette on never mind the bollocks never mind the buzzcock sorry um yeah for those of you who haven't seen it i've not watched it back but basically it's on youtube and it's well it's on youtube seeing. it's it, it's brilliant it's the uh very excellent simon amstel mm. era I love of Simon never else. mind the buzzcocks and donny tourette lights a cigarette halfway through doesn't he he, he does. lights a cigarette and in the studio <laughs> in the studio and simon Amstel goes oh no donny's smoking like what a shocking 
thing to do. <laughs> like he he's says, like, Dolly this? is smoking a cigarette you can legally buy in shops. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, good. it's really good. And he also, he also shows... branded Tourette as punk as Enya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's so good. It just highlight. I mean, you know, you kind of, it's probably the conversation people had been having up and down the country who had heard this band for a couple of years anyway. But it's so great to see Simon Amstel actually say the thing to the guy that everybody has been thinking that he is a fucking prick and that he is not punk and that he is not even not. I mean, you know, that whole thing like, you're not punk. That sounds like a, you know, a sort of silly thing to say but or like you know like oh you're not real or whatever but when someone is like we were saying earlier like when you are that fucking desperate yeah. to come across like you are johnny rotten i mean i don't know why the towers of london couldn't have just thought let's form a band and try and do Sorry. a kind of meld of guns and roses yeah. and sex pistols and just see if we can write some really good songs. Do what no, the manic no, no, street no, 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 no. preachers that's what the manic street preachers did when they started. That is what the manic street preachers did. You know, that's what Airborne did with ACDC yeah. and they did it very well. That's what the darkness did with kind of Thin Lizzy and Queen. Yeah. I mean and they and then and then they went, Oh, let's buy a jumpsuit. And yeah. then they went, Oh, let's <laughs> neck a bottle of wine on stage. Yeah. And then they went, let's spray paint our clothes with slogans. They didn't buy all the clothes first and then buy the instruments and get a record deal and get a TV show and you know, and go walking around saying oh we're the biggest band in the world and everyone go right we've got that on camera now you, you guys got an album ready huh oh what we got to write we got to actually write music as well oh fuck okay all right well yeah well, it can't be that hard can it yeah it is mate it's actually pretty integral to you <laughs> and your existence as a band um ad- yeah pathetic um renfrey where do you want to put this so here is my only quandary with this whilst blood sweat and tears is towers de- oh sorry yes whilst blood set sweat and towers donny tourette's gonna come around and duff you up mate <laughs> quite like an opportunity to um <laughs> duff them in return um whilst it's definitely a contender for our top spot on the broken records chart i don't think anyone will be too surprised to hear after the drubbing we've just given this I kind of don't want to give them the satisfaction of having a number one record. (laughs) 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 Which is why I'm tempted to put it at number two. But basically, it's either number one or it's number two. Um, I was looking at it and I was going, okay, right. Now, you do go, okay, so straight away that three of very good artists lauren hill lou reed and bob dylan yeah like you're not even in the conversation um the enemy and dirty vegas are kind of too boring to be considered so i think they get above that then you have this kind of um quartet of sort of hilariously bad quite offensive stupid um egomaniacal nonsense which is viva brother louis the 14th queen and paul rogers and richard ashcroft AKA um, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. <laughs> four <laughs> Horsemen of the Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, all of those albums are either grotty, sort of pathetic, or funny. 
Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. like, yeah. like that's very. A, fu- so that's a fair I, assessment I, in one sentence of four albums. <laughs> and I think this, and I think this record is all of those things. Yes, um, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of think it's above all of those as well. Yeah. You then come to Eogan, and Eogan is. I mean, I kind of posited Eogan for the worst spot because I felt like it was kind of child abuse and I felt like it was, you know, it showed how disgusting the music industry can be. Well, I tell you what, if if that's a disgusting reflection of the music industry, Towers of London is an appalling, appalling um, reflection on the music industry. It's a, it's and an particularly within, particularly like, you know, Eogan's a pop kid from the x factor you kind of know what you what you're going to get you kind of know what that is meant to be you know we hold punk rock and you know quote i don't want to say real music but you know we hold kind of that type of music in a slightly higher esteem than we would do that so yes i think it really does come down to six feet under graveyard classics volume two and blood sweat and towers now i'll say one more thing for jorgen quig um there is an innocent party in the Eogan yes. Quig thing, and that's mm. Eogan, yeah. um, who's probably still crying over the fact that we mispronounce his name on purpose every week. Uh, yeah, but, I but, don't think he knows about it. No, I don't He's think right. um, But there are, I don't think there's any innocent parties in this. Uh, no. Therefore, it's above Eogan. It's almost more cynical. Or mm-hmm. Even if it's as as cynical as Eogan, I mean fucking imagine that imagine being imagine being a punk band but being as cynical as someone off the x factor Mm. fuck me so it comes down to six feet under graveyard classics volume two now the one thing i think that was keeping six feet under other than the fact that it is fucking ludicrous to hear such a stupidly bad death metal band attempt to do a classic album like back in black and the production is laughable six feet under it starts on the base with some fucking inc- the, the what it has to work with is incredible material the songs are good the songs are great yeah. um i think because the production on it was so staggeringly bad that was one of the things that was keeping it at number 1 well i would say as bad as the production is on graveyard classics volume 2 we have equally at this point production wise stacy jones of plain white tees and Miley Cyrus fame getting in bed with these tossers. Uh, <laughs> one of the stupidest ideas production wise, I think I've ever heard a, a comedy of errors Do you know to what? actually go out of your way to go. Let's try and make them sound like <laughs> fucking busted. What? <laughs> I agree that the idea is as bad I think, I don't think, uh, I don't think Blood, Sweat and Towers is a badly produced record. I think it's been produced by the wrong person, whereas Graveyard Classics 2 is badly produced. But is it not a producer's job to get the best out of the band that you're producing? I mean, clearly, I don't think it sounds like Stacey Jones is a producer really he just has he's maybe just a one-trick pony um and shouldn't somebody at some point have listened back to this and gone do you know what 
much like Oasis did with Definitely Maybe. There were all those sessions they did before Owen Morris came in and they were listening back and going, you don't sound like you do live. And it's, it's, a, it's a thing that's happened for many, 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 many years mm. where bands will go into a studio and they will record something and the label will go, it just doesn't sound right. It just doesn't suit you. It doesn't sound right. We've made a mistake here. Blah blah yeah. blah. And then they'll go away and they'll change it and they'll talk about how you know we were worried in the studio. I mean, I think obviously, definitely, maybe is the the obvious one to go to. Maybe in utero for a long time. I mean, I don't know if that's yeah. that might be slightly controversial because I know a lot of people would have liked to have heard the Steve Albini version, but obviously the label went that's too much. We can't. Slightly different thing there, admittedly, but it's an absolutely ridiculous decision to have produced this this band in this way and it just is it the tin eardness the the you know the just and it just smacks of like well fuck it whatever we've recorded the songs they sound like they how they sound out they go it is a ridiculous decision my counter to it is is it really stacy jones's fault um no it's not i you said how a, a producer's job is to get the best out of the artists that they're sent to work with and broadly i think that is a very general description of what a producer does um but i'm i'm a bit like could ross robinson have got anything out of the towers of london if, if there's no, no talent to squeeze you ain't gonna squeeze no. any talent you know but ross robinson has heard never mind the bollocks and he's heard appetite for destruction mm. and he presumably would have heard towers of london play and he presumably would have gone let's cloak all this in feedback and lo-fi true whatever and let's try and you know make this sound as as grim and gut and, and dirty as we possibly can to hide the imperfections there are plenty of punk bands who are shit musicians whose recordings sound full of vigor and energy and life and power yep. because they just whacked it on and they played and they didn't polish it and they didn't you know and that that's that was always the beauty of punk rock which again goes to show how this has got nothing to do with the initial ethos of punk rock you yeah. don't understand what it is they're doing so yes i do think it's badly produced i also think they probably looking at the guy who produced you know he's producing miley cyrus i'm sure he's probably fairly expensive in fact i would say he's definitely more expensive than uh, the guy who produced six feet under um I'm going to see who I'm going to see who recorded Graveyard Classics Volume Two. Wasn't Just it the guitarist? I thought it let was me have a little look. It may well have been. Um, which yeah, and that goes to show that alone goes to show. Well, it's not even like they had a lot of money to spend on it. Yeah. So it was. They don't even have a producer. It doesn't even say who produced it. I know, but yeah, (laughs) production by Chris Barnes. (laughs) Yeah, okay, fair enough. So yeah, so Chris Barnes himself produced that, which makes me think they just don't have any money, which is, which it doesn't forgive the fucking disastrous job they did on it. But I think it makes it slightly less bad. So yeah, I agree. I'm going to posit that A, there is a negligible amount of, um, of of like who's worse production wise i think the songs on this are a billion times worse you said it yourself the best song on this is worse far worse than the worst guns and roses song yeah it's certainly worse than the worst acdc song let alone anything off of back in black Mm -hmm. and they are just an absolute abomination they're terrible 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 band this album is Staggeringly bad. I think it's the worst. 
Yes. When it all adds up. It's not even really funny, is it? I mean, you wouldn't no, put Richard Ashcroft at number one because I just thought, what a hilarious, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? And that kind of, that little tiny bit of pleasure that you could get out of Richard Ashcroft being Jesus. You can't get that. You can't no. get that out of this. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't one of those, this isn't, we brought up the room, didn't we, last week? This isn't one mm. of those things where it's so bad, it's good. It's just bad. And mm. it's laborious and it's obnoxious in a shit way. It has nothing to back up its obnoxiousness. It's just fucking terrible. Like I say, I'm not going to argue it too much because, frankly, I do think Towers of London do deserve the top spot. I'm only going to reiterate my rhetoric of me being uh, <laughs> unsure of putting them there because... But, you know, I sort of jokingly said I didn't want to give them the satisfaction of having a number one. What frustrates me is I wonder if Donny Tourette would at least pretend to be proud that they were number one in our broken record list. Probably if, if would. If to hear about it. Probably would. But then, you know, that's what well, we can't... I can't go on what the Towers of London might think about where yeah. they would be in the thing. Like, Sure, sure, sure. You know, it, it's not something to be proud of. It's I want- not. I want to give the number one spot to someone who will be genuinely hurt by it. I think is what I'm basically. But the thing is, they will be genuinely hurt in reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. will be genuinely hurt by it, but they'll say that they are oh, good. We wanted to be like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Just like you know, you because we're the like, man, you, Steve. Just like you, you're going to kill the pop scene. Yeah, you really want to kill the pop scene, don't you, mate? Killed, Working killed with Miley Cyrus's scene. drummer. Yeah. yeah, fucking kill the pop scene, guys. Yeah. yeah. So you, they can say whatever the fuck they want. <coughs> Fair. Mate, if they if they told me it was sunny outside, I'd fucking get an umbrella out straight away. I wouldn't believe a fucking word that comes out of those idiots' mouth. I think it's I think it's the worst. It's the worst. It's the most dislikable. It's the most despicable. And it's just the most heinous. I think everything about it is rotten to the core. Fair. It's our number one. You've convinced hey. me. I didn't need an awful lot of convincing, but you convinced no. me very, very easily. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Towers of London are going in as the new worst album ever made. But they might only be number one for a week, Renfrey, because I'm I picking something it. out. I doubt it as well. <laughs> I, um, well I don't know. There's some, some shit in here, to be fair. But I'm picking another one out right now. Next week, we will be talking about... Oh, this is... A, mm, Bush. Black and White Rainbows by Bush. Ah. It's, um, it's actually Bush featuring Gavin Rossdale. I believe. Yes, it is. I've been waiting so long for those two guys to collaborate. So, um, <laughs> um, I've well, just tried to write. Gavin Rosdell um, collaborated with too much Bush. That's why he. That's he. Why he and Gwen Stefani split up, isn't it? Well, apparently, so our lawyers. Oh, allegedly, I don't know anything about. <laughs> don't know anything about that. Um, of course, I right. call. I call love making collaborating with Bush. <laughs> good so there you have it that was us giving you a brand new uh number one yeah and that's why danny Tourette. that's why danny Tourette struck us off his christmas card list i know we've gutted absolutely yeah. gutted it was a, such a joy yeah, he doesn't sign so i'm quite happy yeah he doesn't even sign him, he just spits on the card and closes it <laughs> that's punk rock in it <laughs>
<laughs> yes, and puts a little baggie of cocaine in there as well. Uh, it's the yeah, season to be stupid, jolly. Stupid band. Yeah. Yeah, a stupid band, a very, very stupid band. It gets a little bit more sensible for the next episode, episode mm-hmm. number 13. is waiting for you wherever you find your podcast right now. As you heard, we're going to be talking about Bush featuring Gavin Rossdale's Black and White Rainbows. So um, that's the next episode. Do head over and have a little listen to that if you enjoyed this episode if you enjoyed this episode also um feel free to find us every friday on riot act the alternative music podcast where we review new music and you can go over to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast and you can sign up for a myriad of exclusive content uh we'll be back next week not next week we're, we're, we're there we're there right now i keep saying next week but it's, it's there let's not fuck around it's there episode number 13 on black white rainbows is waiting for you go and listen to it see you then